Ladies, ladies and gentlemen. I love how you always start these as if you're speaking to a large, like, 1950s, like, circus crowd. Like, welcome uh, to the show. At long last. <laughs> anyway, um, hello, listeners. This is This is the Pits. This is Michael Oberst. And that other voice is Chelsea Greenwood. And... We're here to talk about War Machine, a movie from 2017 that was bad from start to finish. I don't know, actually. Well, what do you think? We haven't even talked about, not a word about it. Okay, I just want to start with, this is 2017, not too long ago in the past. This was a one of the first made-for-Netflix films starring such a big star. Well, this was right after... Um, Netflix got the big deal with Adam Sandler, which everyone yeah. was like, holy shit. What did they pay? It was something crazy, like $70 million for seven yeah. movies or something like that. They paid that year in 2017, they paid, or maybe it was 2018, they paid a billion, billion dollars in production. That's crazy. And that so, was like, that was, I, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of when we were like, hey, Netflix is um, making a, a new, ton of money. Yeah. And streaming is not something that we can ignore anymore. Like, Yeah. So this was part of that major push of like, okay, now Brad Pitt referred to it in an interview as the new delivery system. Uh, <laughs> well, Brad Pitt, he's, Brad Pitt is also just learned about Netflix that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably. I mean, uh, he's so rich and removed from everything, he had no idea. Um, yeah. But, but I will say that I agree with you that this movie was bad from start to finish. And I don't want to spoil the end of our usual podcast, but I think this is the my least favorite role I've ever seen Brad in. I think so, too. And I think it was yeah. just because it was, like, unpleasant to watch. Like, there was nothing redeeming about what he was trying to do. And No, it was like his facial expression did not match his acting. It was like his body wasn't – it was like he was trying too hard. Yeah, it was. It was really weird. It was like he was trying yeah. really hard to play like a comedy character. Missed the mark. Missed the mark. It wasn't something I could, I, like, I couldn't place him. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. looked like he was trying to play like a rigid, like, war general, but also like a goofy, um, like, kind of bumbling war general. But like, the way that they described him was like he was this like super smart like genius of war but then he was also playing stupid so it didn't really yeah he was a caricature know. but it was a caricature that was not that was totally miscast i think it was like yeah he isn't grizzled enough unless he's gonna play a complete dunce i have no like he's supposed to be a character you have respect for at least in the beginning and then towards the end you're like oh this guy is just an asshole right 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 yeah, no, totally. But like that's the thing is like when we're when we're supposed to have respect for him, he's like doing this weird face and this weird voice and this weird even the way he was holding his entire body, it looked like he was uncomfortable. Which he is just not... wasn't yeah. I see but that's the thing. Don't you see what he was going for? And it just didn't work. Yeah, I do. I see I see that I don't know. I think he was trying to like portray a character who is like uh 
I don't know, like a like a a war general who's like tough and smart and big but and also grand, kind of quirky and funny. Doesn't make sense. But that's where you lose it. Is like it's like I I feel like I know he was trying to go for one thing, but like yeah. he also wanted to be funny and like he's like, what if I just walked really weird and like one if one of my hands was always like which rigid. which brings me to my next point. So. The filmmaking is so bad. About five minutes in, they they talk about the hand. The shot is him in a car. The fucking narrator. We'll get we'll get to the narrator we'll in a second. We'll get to the narrator. Yeah. Um, and they go, and his hand was perfectly rigid from blah 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 blah. And it's like they never show you the hand. So now yeah. my thing as a filmmaker, I'm like, why? That was a perfect opportunity to show his hand and explain why he's this way. And so now I'm watching out for the hand for the rest of the film. Yeah. I'm like. He loses the hand every third scene. His yeah. hand is just a hand. It comes and goes. Sometimes it's like rigid and I mean here's I will give him this. It's always looks like it's in a very specific position. But sometimes the specific position is straight, like his hand is fully opened. Yeah. And sometimes the specific position is that it's a claw. Which yeah. is what they said in the narration. They said that his hand is always yeah. a claw, like he was holding a cigar that's not there. And, and as they said that his hand was always a claw and his hand is on the steering wheel, like, why wouldn't you pan down to the steering wheel? I know this is a small little thing, but it is a, it's a perfect example of why I hated this movie so it's much. A, exactly. It's a, it's a good indicator of the lack of focus, I think, of yeah. the entire movie. It just didn't yeah. – like, that's an, a thing that could easily be fixed, even with the pickup shot. Like – a hundred percent. Doesn't like, need to be a, Brad Pitt's hand. No, just to do a reshoot. Or it it even could. If you have Brad Pitt sitting in a car by himself, you could do that in a pickup. Oh, my God. Anyway, so now that you guys know how we feel about the movie, maybe we <laughs> should do it. Yeah. I think that's so the fastest that's we've the ever end jumped of the into. Episode. <laughs> yeah. That's the fastest we've ever jumped into a movie, right? Well, it was just like there's so much to say about yeah. Like it's so obvious why this movie is bad. You know, like sometimes you're like, this movie was kind of bad. I'm not sure. This was bad thoroughly. So, and it's obvious. And I'm so happy. I was in the shower this morning thinking, like, what if Michael really likes this movie? That's like, what my boyfriend. What if said, he sits down and was like, I thought this was great, and then I'd be like, what? <laughs> what do we do? Like my boyfriend <laughs> said. He was like, Chelsea probably loved this movie. And I was like, you know, I don't think she did. But like, it did cross my mind. What if you did? What if I did? That would be so awkward because it's so objectively bad. Yeah. it's And no wonder I hadn't heard of it. Even though, and I was like, I looked up on Amazon because I expected to have to buy it because I was like, there's no way this movie's for streaming anywhere. And then I was like, oh, wait, oh. it's a made for Netflix movie. Yes. I didn't even know. Yeah, and the director has a lot of made-for-Netflix movies. I'm sure he has some sort of a deal with Netflix. I didn't look too deeply into it. I think, well, there's a lot of theories I have about why it's a made-for-Netflix movie. But um, do you want to talk about the year 2017? I mean, it was very recent, but should we give a little context? Yeah, so it's interesting to research about 2017 because it's still so recent. And in my personal life, it was such a raw time. It was like... Trump had just been elected president. I went through a terrible breakup and moved down to L.A. So all of the things in 2017 are like poking a bruise or like squeezing a lime uh, into mm -hmm. a scar. You know, so it's like so but triggering, but so fresh and also so kind of cathartic at the end of the year here to be like, wow, I'm in such a much better place. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, and to look at it, and it's so recent to turn around and look at the the this year that was so recent and be like, wow, that was not that long ago, and like I'm in such a better place now. Yeah, and there were times in that year where I was like. I remember just like sitting on my bed in tears being like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. This isn't going to last. This isn't going to last. Now I'm like living my absolute best life, living in a totally different city, in a totally different career with the best man, you know? Yeah. And this was right before I moved into your apartment and I saw the wake of your 2017. Yeah. I created that apartment in heartbreak. <laughs> in heartbreak. <laughs> and I, I walked in, but I walked in and I was also going through... Like a very transitional period when I yeah. moved into that apartment, although it was 20, I think it was early 2018, late 2017, I forget. Um, and it was just like, I don't know, it, was, it had your stink all over it. But <laughs> um, yeah, but like it was also like kind of um, reassuring because like I, since I was in such a transitional period, I was like, oh, it's it's like hot. It's a there's hard to be in this mind space, but like I'm not alone in this mind space. And also it's not the end of the world because there's evidence of trying to get better, you know, of someone who's trying to build something better for themselves. And like that was, you know, it it kind of, it's reassuring. So, um, that apartment (laughs) is no longer with us. It's no longer with us. Anyway. Um, but no, but that's a kind of a good allegory for 2017 in general. The world was sort of transitioning out of Obama and into Donald Trump. It felt like every fucking day there was something terrible happening. Yes, um, we were still getting used to the Donald Trump news cycle in 2017, which was yes. crazy. I mean, still that is. Was it's crazy. still insane. Remember Sean Spicer and fucking Steve Bannon and blah, 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 uh, blah. Remember the that book, Fire and Fury? Fire and Fury. Um, it was right before we get into Trump. The last thing Obama did pretty much was commute Chelsea Manning's sentence for leaking documents to WikiLeaks, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then Donald Trump becomes president. He fires his whole staff. The Mueller report started then. That's when the Mueller report started, in January. And we just got the results this year. Crazy. Um, it was the whole Harvey Weinstein and Me Too movement started that year. It was like every Harvey The Wein- Women's March happened that year. Women's March happened that year. It was like Me Too was like off to a bang, which is obviously a momentous occasion. The Harvey, yeah, the like, Harvey Weinstein allegations happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then um, there was that shooting in Paris at the Ariana Grande concert. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was. Beyonce um, posted that photo of her pregnancy announcement to quickly become the most liked picture on Instagram. Yep. Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel got engaged. And it was my favorite moment of 2017 was the Oscars. Flow. The envelope <laughs> where Moonlight won, but La La Land thought they won. <laughs> that was great. I mean, everyone got so mad at the people who were presenting, but it wasn't even their fault. Well, she should have fucking, what was her name? Jane Fonda, right? Was it Jane Fonda? I don't know. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have, whoever that was, should not have said that. But she didn't know either. She wasn't wearing glasses. She's old. She just saw an, the name of the movie there and she said it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but like, 2017 was yeah. a weird fucking year. It was like a very uncomfortable year for everyone. And as I was watching Brad Pitt play this role, I was like, he's feeling it too. He's uncomfortable. He's just gotten off of a divorce. And he tried to make it work with Marianne Cotillard, but that didn't work either. And now he's like Wait, doing Brad drugs. Pitt did not try to make it work with Marianne Cotillard. <laughs> yeah, but in my fantasy, he did. And he she didn't... said, 
And she said, I'm pregnant with another man's baby. And he said, damn you. And then he went off and he did drugs and alcohol. And he made this horrible movie. Hookers. <laughs> he needed to be on drugs and alcohol to have been okay with this terrible movie. That's how I justify any it. Se- I mean, it must. That must be the thing. Because it doesn't, yeah. truly doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened that year that was significant. I'm kind of like scrubbing through. Well, what was the number one pop song that year? That will give us some context. Um, Let me I look, don't know. too. 2017 pop song. Okay, I'm looking at the 2017 Oh, Oscars. it was fucking Shape of You. Shape of You? What song is that? By Ed Sheeran. I'm in love with the shape of you. Oh, my God. The, it was horrible. You and Ed music. Sheeran. I swear to God. <laughs> well, he's always the number one. Um. Well, anyway, I guess the other thing to speak of for the Oscars, because I I have no comment on Ed Sheeran, by the way. Just none. No, I don't either. I'm just telling you he was the number one song in the country that year. Oh, good for him. Um, Oscars, best picture, obviously we already said was Moonlight. Best director was Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Mm-hmm. Best actor was Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, which was an amazing movie. Never Great performance. Can't stand He's him. a douche. Um, anyway, so that's kind of the basic movie overview i guess that's it for 2017 that's a lot it was so recently that 2017 is like mostly just bullshit it was just a bullshit year 20 i mean nothing was as bullshit as 2016 2016 wins as the most bullshit year of the years (laughs) still and i remember when 2017 turned to 2018 people tried to say that 2016 17 was the worst year ever and i said absolutely not yeah you guys have a short memory because 16 yeah 16 would not die um anyway uh how about war machine do you want to give a quick synopsis about what the fuck it was do you think it's possible yeah so war machine (laughs) okay the failure of war machine is that it didn't know if it wanted to be a comedy or a serious commentary on war in general right right so the movie is about this like fucking character of a guy who's loosely based on a guy from reality but isn't actually a guy from reality so it takes cues from historical fiction but it's not actually historical at all right well the only historical aspect that like the movie was structured around was there was a war general i forget his name right now in it's Iraq, like bottom or something. Yeah, who who was hired and then in a Rolling Stone interview talked shit on President Obama and President Biden, and then he was fired, and yeah. that's basically it. And they took that story <laughs> and they made this movie, which starts as Brad Pitt starts with a voiceover, like narrator guy who we don't know who he is until they reveal him like halfway through the movie mm-hmm. and so brad pitt is this like grizzled yet quirky general who has this like team of guys who are devout devout devo- devoted to him and all who are all bumbling idiots that's the thing oh sorry go on okay so they are all bumbling idiots he has this task where he's like we need to win this war we need to win this war. And then I guess what he says, like winning is, is like teaching the local people to have a government basically to like Americanize them. Mm -hmm. 
And so he needs for so like the basis of the thing, most of the movie is he needs forty thousand new troops, even though it's two thousand nine and we need to get out of the war in Afghanistan, but he still needs forty thousand more troops so that he can do he can like train the insurgents, kill the insurgents, and then train Afghanistan to be a place that's a democratic Stable. place. Right? Right. Yeah. So his whole thing that they explained was um Insurgents are people who are in normal clothes that live there. And what the in Iraq, it's not a normal war where it's people in uniforms that you kill. It's like everyday people who are basically banding together um, that they're fighting. And, and what they're trying to do is instill a democracy, like you said. Um, but like every time they kill an insurgent, that person's family members, one or two of their family members joins the insurgency who wasn't part of the insurgency before because they're like, oh, the Americans are not good. I don't support Americans. I'm going to be an insurgent now. So like it's a delicate balance of convincing these people that you're their friend or that you are doing good things for them by trying to build schools and crops, like help them grow crops and stimulate their economy, whatever you can do to convince them that America's presence is a good thing so that they don't join the insurgency. And that's kind of the war that you're fighting. And um, it's hard. It's hard. And it's like such bullshit because there is the best moment for me is like, okay, so anyway, that's the setup, right? And then he ends up failing he ends up letting his hubris is so big that he lets a Rolling Stone guy follow him around drinking through Europe when he goes on a mission to get more um, soldiers and he gets fired and his crew cries and the end. That's literally the movie. That's literally the end. Yeah. So I will give it credit for having me think about this war machine mm-hmm. um, and how stupid this whole thing was. Um and continues to be like us coming in there thinking like we know something that we don't. Um, but there's the best part of the movie for me was the Tilda Swinton moment, which is like the like yeah. heart and the gut. It's like the core of the film, which is like you think you're doing something great, but you're actually lying to everybody. And can you please actually just explain to me why you're doing this? It's not to win. You're not winning anything. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. So that and, and he can't. And it's really powerful. And. That was a good moment for Brad in terms of acting, too. There was a slight mm-hmm. moment, a slight Maybe. nod. He still was doing a voice. I hated that fucking voice. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, w- it made it really hard to watch the entire movie, honestly. Like, it was I the was, voice. I literally was, like, antsy. Like, I was, like, shifting. I didn't want to watch it at all. I have never I couldn't. Sometimes I couldn't look at it. Like, I try really yeah. hard to not look at my phone when yeah. we're watching Brad Pitt movies. But I had to sometimes because I had oh to. Like, I couldn't look. It was so cringy hard. for him. It's hard. Yeah. And That's look, here's what... the thing, everybody. You can listen to this movie or you can watch this movie on Netflix. It will always be on Netflix. You yeah. can. There's no commitment to this movie. You can start yeah. it and end it so just so you get a little taste of what we are talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucking it bad. <laughs> From the Give it 10 get-go, minutes. The first thing I wrote was like, wow, his face, his face does not match his demeanor. His demeanor doesn't match the character. The whole thing is so poorly written from the get go. And it's all just so jumbled. It's like if we stuck with the overarching theme, which is a very serious theme, that war is bad 
and what we did was bad and it was useless and a lot of people died and we made yeah. a serious movie and he took away the character that he was and we tr- and they stopped trying to make it a, com- a comedy because it was comedic it for didn't... the first hour and then it was serious for the last hour there was no that was so weird line. then suddenly yeah. like a kid like one of the soldiers shoots a kid and yeah. you're like wait whoa and yeah. then even in an interview, Brad Pitt said, this movie is a satire until it's not. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, my God. So he like, he's but like. You can't do that. You can't no, do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, having such a major tone shift like that is yeah. bold and risky. And you it did not work. very strong script. It's yeah. Almost you need like... a strong script, strong directing, and strong acting. Three things that this movie didn't have. <laughs> yeah, so, and it's an interesting thing too because you know when you read, I only watched one interview with Brad about this. There was a lot of press for it. Yeah, I watched him on Stephen Colbert. I watched him like do some like cutesy ten things he didn't know about Brad Pitt. But there's very little of him actually talking about the movie and the yeah. Netflix release of the movie. But there is one interview in the in the Japanese um, premiere of it mm-hmm. where he's like, "This movie wouldn't have been made by the studios ever." And if it would, it would have been made at a sixth of the budget that we got. And, like, the only way it was going to be made, basically, was to stream it. And it was another of, like, here's my name on it. It's plan B. Netflix is trying to pump some shit together. It's like a sign of the changing times of the film industry because there's 100,000 movies on Netflix made, Netflix produced, exactly like this, where it's, like, almost <laughs> well you know? oh my god i know and that's it's like almost like the mo for netflix movies now mm-hmm. is where you they're like a movie where it's like oh that's i you know what i i'll watch that and yeah. then it's like not that good and you're no. like well but i did watch the whole thing <laughs> yeah but you but that but then you're like looking at your phone or like playing a video game on your phone and then you like look up and you see like two stars kissing and you're like okay i got what i needed i'm you know drunk on a bottle of wine or that's just me but so um the 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 other thing about this was that like I saw an interview about Brad where Brad was talking about the making of this movie and you're right they 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 shopped it around to studios for a while and nobody yeah. wanted to touch it because yeah. it didn't have a strong like they didn't think it was going to have a strong draw and they were like it's tricky to make a movie about war because the people who will go see that movie are like middle of america heartland type people and um, after American Sniper, they're like, look, there's definitely an audience for, like, war movies um, about the Iraq war. But they have um, to be heroes. It just has to be something. It has to be serious. It has to have a strong a strong message. And they're, like, criticizing the Iraq war and making fun of it like this might not play well with that audience. And, and guess so, what? It doesn't play well for either audience. For either though. audience. Because yeah. I was on the other side. I was on, I mean, obviously we're pretty democratic. We're on the other I, side. And I was yeah. thinking like, this is like, it's. Disrespectful. Kind of, it's kind of critical of President yeah. Obama, but also it's critical of the Iraq war. It's like Afghanistan Obama, war. Afghanistan war. And he yeah. was like, um, Obama's not doing enough, but he's also doing too much. It's like. What well, we, that like, was the same thing as the tone shift. It's like Obama was like, when it when the movie was funny for the first half, Obama like will barely take time to see him. It's like when he's the protagonist who we like, Obama's yeah. an idiot. But then when he becomes the protagonist, where we're like, oh wow, this guy's a fucking just an asshole, and they need and like, they did need to show it to us. 
Then yeah. you're like, oh, Obama just wants to end this fucking war because he's a good guy. But either way, either side, red or blue, mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck? This is yeah. so disrespectful. It doesn't. It just doesn't make it. Also, it was almost like they were like making light of the war, sort of at the beginning, totally. and then at the end, it's like, um, oh, what's that guy's name who's in it? Who I actually really like that actor. Topher Grace. No, I do love Topher Grace. Um, <laughs> no, no, the no. Guy, he was in the guy from um, This Is Us or what? what what's Us that? and Get Out. Us and Get Out. Yeah, This Is Us. What's This Is Us? This Is Us is the show that's on NBC where it's like really sad. Oh, with Mandy Moore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone just like loves it because they just love crying. Ugh. I try. You know I love crying. Couldn't you get into do. it. You do Couldn't love crying. Couldn't get cry. into it. Really? I, I liked the first episode. I liked um, the first season-ish. Like I didn't watch the whole thing. But like how can it still be going on? <laughs> how is it still on TV? Like, wasn't the whole season trying I don't to figure know. out how it's he like, died? It's a show like that's so sad that it's like, how do I, how do I be sad every time? Yeah. Anyway, that really actor's name is Lakeith, is oh, Lakeith yeah. Stanfield. Um, who's, he was also in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. <gasps> now that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, he also goes by Keith Stanfield sometimes. Just, just saying. Um, <laughs> just felt like I needed to say that. Um, what else? What else? Um, so I think that I think the three main things that I took away from this are like, if I have to shed some positive light on this movie, it's that I am actually thinking about the, the war in Afghanistan, which I very pointedly never did or do. Um, true. Which is a fault of my own. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like the desert wars I generally stay away from movies about them. I generally don't like just aesthetically for me. I don't like watching movies that take place war movies that take place in the desert. Like I get hot and I get uncomfortable and I, it's not far enough removed for mm-hmm. me to, I mean, this is like not a good thing about me. I get it. You know, it's like, yeah, I love watching like, world war two movies. I love watching Vietnam movies, but like for some reason, these two wars, maybe it's because it's so fresh in my mind. I just don't like seeing that. So I will say this movie kind of contextualized it in a way like it did that job it just did it in a really bad way well yeah i i i never fully understood why in the afghanistan war it was like i never understood how they could tell the difference between good guys and bad guys because i knew that in i didn't also didn't really know what an insurgent was no that um, the movie told me what an insurgent was and how many times have i heard the word insurgent enough times movie? in movies i yeah. hear it in movies and i'm like there's movies that? every day and, like, and i've never bothered mean, to look though? it up and it yeah exactly but this movie kind of broke it down and was like insurgents are people who live there yeah. that's why this war is difficult because it's not like the other wars and i think that's another reason why you probably have a hard time watching this is because you're not watching um, American f- fight Nazis. You're watching Americans fight people who just live there and they're in yeah. normal clothes and they hide like yeah. AK-47s in their house and you're not sure if they're hiding it in their house for protection from like like a, a fascist regime or if they're hiding in their house for protection from Americans who can't tell the difference and shoot no matter what. And who claim to be trying to help. It's this weird thing. I mean... It's like, I think it's hard to think about those wars because we might be the bad guys. There's no question about that. And that's why it's uncomfortable to watch movies like this. 
and American Sniper where they're like glorifying it. You know, it's just really weird. It's really weird. I don't like it. And it's also sort of like it shows my to put myself down. It shows my like like actual choice of ignorance. It exposes my like mine and every person who I know who lives in a bubbles like ignorance of like purposeful ignorance of what happened that whole time i still don't know like i don't know there's I a lot pay attention every now and then you'll like stumble upon some piece of like movie or like article about some very specific part of the war and you're like oh wow a lot has been going on over there and yeah. i just don't know about it and it's still fucking going on over there it's just gotten quiet but that's why the tilda swinton moment was so good because as americans what we saw was Osama bin Laden and the Taliban have taken down and declared war on us. We're going to go take them out. And then all of a sudden, it's fucking 20, 2009. And you're like, what the fuck are you guys still doing there? First of all, why, how do we get from Iraq to Afghanistan? And like, how did that even fucking happen? And also now it's 2019 and we're still like, wait a minute. We're still over there? Yeah. Like, we're still. What are we? what are we still doing over there? And it's like, well, we're helping create stability. And it's like... Stability from what? They yes. don't want us there. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, the Taliban is a real thing. Whatever. And then it's like, but also, like, watching the th – thinking back to, like, 2001 and George Bush being president and him telling us this is happening. And then I remember that narrative in, like, 2006 – or 2003, right before Barack Obama became president, it was like, he's we're there for oil. Get us out, get us out, get us out. And then Barack's like, we're going to get out, we're going to get out. And so, like, this movie takes place in a very recent and troubling time in American history. Yeah. And tries to make it funny. But it's not funny because there's nothing personal going on except for a very awkward relationship. Like, yeah, what was that wife? Yeah. Like, she what were they trying to illustrate with that? Did she look too old for him to you? She looked too old. She looked too plain. She looked too not in love. Like, I understand that that was supposed to be uncomfortable, but, like, not in this story. But it also didn't make any sense. Like, it's one yeah. thing to be uncomfortable to, like, make a point, but, like, this was uncomfortable, and it didn't really make a point, except for, I guess, like, there's these guys who have been, like, war-hardened. It's almost like they were trying – have you seen – um? I think it's I think it's called Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, I did not like Zero Dark Thirty. Is that the bomb one? Yeah, I did like it. That one won. That one lots won best picture. Um, it's a great movie, but it's. It's on yeah, your toes. it's good. It's good though, and the one of the themes in that was that like once you come back from war, you can never really stop going to war. Like you just want to keep going back for another tour and another tour because like your brain is all over it, mm -hmm. and like. Yeah, I feel like they tried to show that with Brad's character as someone who's like, I'm a general. That is what I do. I am not relevant to anybody. Nobody cares about me unless we're in sure. war. Absolutely. And I think that that's... But his wife is right there like, I fucking... I wish you were here. Yeah. And that's a, it's such a shame because that's 100% right. And also like how they replaced the guy at the end with what's his name? Russell... Was it Russell Crowe? Who's yeah. the guy? I think it was Russell Crowe. Yeah. Like all of these nuanced points about war and the people who fight them and the people's egos like ultimately this guy's ego was just so big he was like i just need to make a splash but really he, there's no reason all yeah. of those points are really great good yes. to think about like if i yeah. didn't have this podcast where i could analyze this 
I would would never think about it. I would have just been like, that's a shitty movie. Exactly. It all got lost. All of those pretty decent points got fully lost because it was so bad. How does that happen though, Michael? Like, how do you? It's because, so I didn't even get to say this, but it's, it's because of the Netflix, the Netflix machine where it's the same logic that they apply to the Adam Sandler deal where it's like, I will pay a ton of money for these movies. Netflix will pay a ton of money for these movies because no one else will pay them. There's movie stars in them. And when there's a movie star in a movie, if it doesn't cost somebody anything extra to watch it, they will watch it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, if, if making seven Adam Sandler movies will get people to watch Netflix, whether, because they won't go to the theater for Adam Sandler, but if they already have the movie, then they'll probably watch it and it'll get them to log in and it'll get them to check it out. There are Adam Sandler fans everywhere. They will watch it. Yeah. And same thing with this. They're like, we will pay this big money for this movie that has Topher Grace, Brad Pitt, Tilda Swinton, like all these pretty big stars and people are going to watch it. Like it's, it's right in front of them. They will watch it and they were totally. right probably, but also. And that goes back cost. to what we were saying earlier is like, the thing is, is if you come home from a long day of work on a Tuesday at 6 p.m., you don't want to do anything, you just want to have a glass of wine and watch a movie, you're going to scroll for, what, an hour? And then you're just, outside of Brad Pitt, but Netflix in general, it's just like, oh, fine, fuck it. Fuck it. I'm just, I need to pick something. Brad Pitt's in it. I'm watching it. You know what I mean? Yep. Trending now. Fine. Whatever. And it's such, it's like beautiful in some ways that we can see so much content, but it's so terrible in other ways. And I think I'm just forming this thought right at this very moment. So don't <laughs> quote me on it. Okay. But I feel like places like Hulu, or at least Amazon and HBO Go and all those are still making quality content. I feel like Netflix is just churning out content regardless of like without thinking about so the quality much. of it anymore. It's oh, too yeah. much. The, it's like the- for us in this industry, it's like upsetting. Well, the goal of their content is not to make something good. Their their goal is to make you continue watching it. Yeah. Or like want to watch it. So it's like like shows like Marie Kondo's thing. Like they tried to make another season of it, um, but they couldn't because she is difficult apparently. Um, yeah, but, no shit. <laughs> and she also, I guess she hated the show. She like hated shooting it. She hated the families. She didn't want any part of it. Well, um, I'm sorry. There's a really popular book about cleaning your house. Let's turn that into a series. A series about cleaning your house. We've got but it hoarders. was viral. That's all that's, we need is hoarders. That's what Netflix wants. Netflix wants viral. Even if the show itself, nobody watched past the second episode. It doesn't matter. Which leads watch- me to my question. My next question that I've been really looking forward to asking you. Every other movie we've done on this podcast, we've been able to see how it's done in the box office. Like, Netflix, you can't really they tell. Don't they don't release how it did. So we have no idea have, how many people watch this movie. For the first time, I have no numbers. Yeah. Like, did it pay off? How much did it cost to make? $60, 60 million. $60 million. Which nobody wanted to pay more than 30 for. No, nobody wanted to pay more than, like, 10 or, like, 15 for it. Like, it, nobody wanted to pay. Yeah. Because it shouldn't have been fucking made. Because it's a fucking bad movie. That's why. it's The script is bad. Anyone who is going to make this movie is like... Look, you want to make a Brad Pitt movie where he's a war general? A lot of those exist already. So it, this is going to have to say something unique, and it's yeah. going to have to have a unique take. And they're like, mm, 
no, actually, I think it's fine the way it is. Let's just find Netflix will pay for it. You know what I mean? And then like Netflix is a yes man. Netflix is if, a yes man, especially if Netflix Brad had Pitt bought Star world. Wars. Yeah. Star Wars would have become a fucking shithole nightmare. Well, I think that already happened. Did you see The Mandalorian though? No, but people like it. It's very good. I don't I, have Disney Plus. I didn't. I don't either. But my friend came over and wanted to watch it, and so he logged into his account, and now I'm obsessed with The Mandalorian. It's really? so fucking good. Yeah, because it's not like it's. It's just like the. Did you see that movie, um, The Rebel? Or what's it called? The it's a Star Wars story, but it's not. No, like an I've Star only Wars ever movie. seen the like Star Wars. Rogue trilogy. One. Rogue One. One. You should watch Rogue One. It's. I think it might be on Netflix. It's definitely on Disney Plus. It's good. It's a Star Wars story. It's not like the main characters from Star Wars, which actually. It like for me, it like it's a relief to be able to watch this movie in this universe where I know all the rules. I know all the like popular kids, and I and like seeing these little side stories. It's really good. It's interesting. And that's what the Mandalorian uh, is. It's a side story where it's not the main characters. And you're like, whoa, this is interesting. And it's good. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm beginning to feel. Like the superhero movies. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to see this last one. And then that's going to be the last Star Wars universe movie I ever see. Or maybe not. Not as much as superhero because it's not as varied. Like one universe is fine. I don't know. Anyway. Just watch, just watch the Mandalorian. Like. Only Someone, because Baby Yoda's in it. That's the only reason. Well, that's the only reason anyone watches it. That's the big, <laughs> that's the whole thing. It's like this bounty hunter accidentally finds a Baby Yoda and he's like, wait, <laughs> there's something weird here. And then he like decides he's going to keep it. And that's what the whole show is about. It's like oh, him. Oh, dream come true. Okay. It's really good. Um, um, anyway, back sorry. to this movie. The thing is, I just don't want to talk about this movie. It's so fucking bad. I know, I know. We did. Well, we talked about how interesting the points that it's trying to make are, and I'm afraid that anyone listening to this might be like, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm telling you, it's. <laughs> we are not telling you that this is a good movie. It's not, that's not the message that I well, want to convey. No, but listen to me here. This is a nice segue into the reviews. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear them. So. It didn't get very bad reviews. Interesting. It really didn't. EW gave it a B plus. Like IMDb has a six out of ten, which isn't amazing, but it's not like bad. Like I thought this movie was bad. It was so hard to watch. I yeah. don't understand why anyone would give it anything above. No, like, three. people are like, there's some stinging points to be made, and Brad Pitt's performance is amazing. EW said that. Like there were all sorts. His of performance reviews. is amazing. What is it with people and like thinking bad performances by Brad Pitt are good? It's like he put on a good costume and that's why it's good. He didn't I, it though. Make sense. It's not a good costume. No, it's terrible. Um. So yeah. So EW gave it a B plus. A B plus. What? Yeah. Metacritic gives it a fifty six. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a forty eight. Thank you very much. Um. And IMDb gives it a six out of ten. But I think the best encapsulation of how I felt about this movie was from the Atlantic, which gave it a scathing review. And the first paragraph of the Atlantic review is this. It's not funny enough to be satire, not realistic enough to count as a political commentary, not exciting enough to work as a war movie. And he said, it's an imperfect non-storm of unsuccess. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a good way to put it though. Imperfect non-storm of unsuccess. It's like just a blah. Yeah. And that's um, why I have to think 
that he was fucking wild and out in his life. Like, why, why did he make this movie? Where I don't did it know. Come from? Why? But I, I understand why he took a break after this movie and didn't make anything until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's nothing between this and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which, by the way, we're kind of skirting by the fact this should be our last episode. But oh, we yeah. forgot... <laughs> We yeah, forgot two movies, so we have to go back and watch two movies, and then we're going to rewatch Thelma and Louise. So we actually have three more episodes. But this is our last current new Brad Pitt movie. We're up to date past 20, 2000, the year 2000. We're up wow, to date. Wow, that's so exciting for us. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Brad Pitt did – he can do silly. Brad Pitt can do silly roles where he's playing a character, and it's kind of goofy and fun. Well, yeah. So Like Burn After what- Reading. That's what the EW review was, was like, it's so great to see him be Burn After Reading and Inglorious Bastards combined. And it's like, no, no, it's not. Those were two standalone great roles. You can't and just And they like... were different. And I they were different. I don't feel like Inglorious Bastards was silly. It was a little silly, but also it was like... But it was silly in a way made by a master of satire, made by a master of that. Watching yeah, terrible shit and you watch it and you laugh. That's what Tarantino is so fucking good at. Who's this fucking David Michaud? He makes other Netflix movies. Yes, he makes Netflix movies. So I just want to know what the fuck is going on in Brad's brain. And I just, I do love that his follow-up to this was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because that movie. He was like, look, Quentin, I really need to be good again. Yeah. I really... But there's all know. these articles about his life where he's like, you know, I went to rehab, I did this, and I, I, I do feel like he his poor something. decision making around this movie has something to do with that. That has something I, to do with his poor decision making. Yeah, I also think that, like, I don't know, he he could. It's like he's not very good at making his own decisions. I mean, this sounds like really <laughs> shitty, but it's like he's better when somebody tells him, Brad, I have this role and it is made for you. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And then or, he slays. Or or he's like, this is a great movie that needs to be made. I'll put my name on it. Sometimes Plan B that will works. will put their name on it. Sometimes that works. But I'm saying like there's multiple ways. But like, no, but I'm slave. saying when he – well, yeah, but that's a small role. But when he's playing a – Oh, a lead. A lead or, or yeah. close to a lead, which is not really 12 Years a Slave. It's not. It's kind of Inglorious Bastards. I mean, he's on the cover. Um, but Oh, no. He's Inglorious Bastards. It's Ad Astra. It's Inglorious Bastards. It's Once Upon a Time like, Hollywood. It's yeah. like when he is the lead, someone else needs to tell him. He needs to be directed because when he has a lot of freedom and he's producing and he's the lead, <laughs> it's like – he just, for some reason, he can't find his own tone sometimes. It's not every time, but a lot of times. It's like that's when we're always disappointed is when no. it's like. We've said this from the very beginning. He is a director's actor. And if you don't have and a good director. And he's good at it. And he's great at it. And I have to say, though, like looking back, people ask me all the time, you know, what's your favorite? What's your least favorite? I've really enjoyed all the movies we've watched for the last like 10 episodes, maybe not the best movies ever, but like he's, mm-hmm. he was like in a good groove, even allied. Like he was in a good groove. Yeah. And then something happened where it just missed the mark. And you always know when I forget a movie, like I asked you how many times, what movie are you watching? What movie are you watching? It's <laughs> yes. like, I never heard about War Machine. Yeah. No, I know. And you know, when you never hear about them, that they're going to be it's bad. It's not a great sign, especially when it's so recent. Yeah really bad sign okay so, so anyway. let's do your our ratings um 
What do you rate uh, Brad Pitt's looks? Let's start with looks. Didn't like him. Okay. I didn't like... Well, can I roll his looks into his acting? No. That's a second. No. Well, the thing is, sometimes the looks affect his acting, and that's appropriate, too. Right. So the hand... I just, you know what it was? I didn't for ever one time want to fuck him in this movie. Not one time. I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's true. I didn't either. So I'm going to give him a two. Um, it hurts to say that. That's bad. low. So sorry, that's really bad. low. We're talking uh, out of 10 here, right? <laughs> should I give him a three? No. You know what? Stay true to yourself. You deserve... You can say whatever you I'm want. I'm just so angry at this movie that he gets a two. Fuck him. Listen, Brad, you can't always get fucking tens. He's not always a ten. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a three, because that's kind of you, uh, Michael. Actually, no. I'm going to give him a two and a half. Oh, because shit. I was going to say his. I was going to say his face looks good, but it doesn't. He's doing a face. His He's hair doing, doesn't even look good. That was my first note. Was like, turn the fucking face off, bitch. I'm so disappointed Stop. in him. I'm glad he went to rehab after this. Um, <laughs> and how about his acting? Two. It's a two. I'm going to give it a three because I'd like to, there was two moments that I thought, I was like, oh, that was good. When he cried on the airplane at the end. Okay. He, he was like, he the whole there. time he was proud and proud and proud and it was awful. But that one moment where he crumbled a little bit, I liked it. Okay. No, but that's All only right, for, you're right. that's only that's only a two point five. That's not a full that's not a full thing. So you give him a two point five? Yeah. And now what do you think about the whole movie? It's a fucking two. It's a two for sure. It's not good. I think it's, it's like one. I don't want to watch it. I think it. it's a one, Michael. I really think it's a one. That's My fair. My gut says one. I've never given a score that low before. I'm the only reason I'm giving it a two is because it did make me think about the Iraq war differently. Yeah, but like, read a book. Like, I, I see what you're saying, and I thought about that as I was thinking, do I give it a one? I think the one point is just for that. Fair, yeah. Because, like, I don't, I think that the studios were right. I don't think it should have been made. So, like, cool, thank you. You get one point <laughs> for teaching yeah. me a little something. Yeah. You taught me what an insurgent is, and therefore you get a point. <laughs> but we didn't even talk about the narrator. Oh, so annoying. Oh, we didn't even talk about the narrator, which was so unnecessary, and it yeah. felt like an afterthought. It and felt like an were, afterthought. And then they were like, rip me. It's like, that's not the movie you're making. Like, No. That's no, not the I do not care making. about this Rolling Stone. And then he went away. And then he fucking went away. And then he comes back like, I got this guy fired, but they brought in another one. It's like, this is who, who's the story about? You or Brad Pitt? Or like... What the fuck? And then, and then at the end, Brad Pitt wasn't in the movie for like a solid fifteen minutes while they had this little side story with Lakeith Stanfield shooting a um, a kid. Yeah. And then Brad Pitt had to come in and clean it up, and <laughs> it, it was just like, didn't wait, no, what, what the it fuck? Was. Brad Pitt should have heard that on the phone. I mean, listen, we could have made this movie better, but we wouldn't because it's not a good movie to make. Oh, and one thing that really bothered me that I thought was like a really obvious connection was like, they said like. Troops loved him. Like Brad Pitt is a lovable general and he raises morale because the troops love him. And I'm like, I feel like a guy like that 
should be lovable. And this character isn't lovable at all. Yeah, he like never patted the guys on the back. He never like... And every interaction he had with the troops was very robotic and fake. And yeah, it's totally... It, it didn't seem like the troops were responding to his weird roboticness. And so it was like, I don't believe that he was liked by the troops. I don't which either. Maybe I wasn't supposed to believe it, but it felt like they were telling me that I should believe it. It was like the things that they were saying about him, he wasn't doing. So it's just a big, big disconnection. Sorry, my cat was just yelling at me. Um, 100%, and I fucking, I'm glad that we got that done. I, I'm i almost sad we've already done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because what, I don't think we have anything that's going to redeem him outside of Thelma and Louise. We have nothing yeah. left to redeem him, I think. So the two that we have left are Cutting Class and um, Dark Side of the Sun. <laughs> right? Yeah. Two movies nobody's ever heard of from the 1990s. <laughs> One is from the 80s. They're both <laughs> from the 80s. So which one are we going to do first? I think Cutting Class is technically first, and then Dark Side of the Sun is made later. Dark Side of the Sun was released in 1996, but it was filmed in, two, in 1989. That's right. That's right. That's, that's And that's why we missed it. That's why we missed it, yeah. And then Cutting Class was early, like earlier than um, Too Young to Die, which was the first, the earliest movie that we covered. Yeah. Um, but the reason that we didn't do that one is just because we, we just didn't because we thought his role was too small or something like that. And then um, like recently for Brad Pitt's birthday, like I forget which publication it was released that list of the, of Brad oh Pitt's my best God, roles. The worst thing. And they were wrong on a lot of them, but um, actually they weren't wrong. They were literally just ranking them based on the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, so, um, it wasn't Still like wrong. super subjective. People are but it was People are stupid. Um, but Cutting Class was on that list. And we were like, fuck. Well, if Cutting Class is on, if they're ranking Brad performances and they're putting Cutting Class in there, I, we have to see it. So now we're, we're going to go back and we're going to watch Cutting Class and Dark Side of the Sun. And then we're going to end it with Thelma and Louise, which, by the way, that episode um, was taken down because we switched from SoundCloud to our new hosting service. And... Um, when we switched, that episode got lost, and then we didn't want to release Thelma and Louise and have it be out of order. So, But we're going to have to go on a slight hiatus and film all three episodes in 2020 because I'm going to Africa for three weeks. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. But you're going to have a <laughs> microphone, so is there, isn't there one day you can record, do you said? Maybe. We'll it's see. Who knows? It's not so much the recording as it is watching the movie. Hmm which right. I could do on the airplane. We'll discuss that. Doesn't matter. Offline. We'll figure it out. But um, either way, we're not going to see you until 2020. This is our last podcast in 2019. Yeah. 2019 was a year of this podcast. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We did it hard. We did it fast. We did it loose. Still want to get some Brad Pitt FaceTime. Anybody out there, if you got any connections, if you've made it this far, you probably haven't made it this far. But if you have, hook us up. Brad, hook us up with Brad Pitt because – I think he would like us. Just don't let him listen to this episode because we are very mean. Maybe he needs but, to hear this episode, though. Because I revisited old wounds on this episode, having to go back to 2017. Maybe he needs to go back and revisit old wounds. It wouldn't hurt. It would It would be um, a healing and growth moment. Exactly. He seems like he's doing so well right now. Anyway. Anyway. Ladies bye, and everybody. Happy holidays. Happy love holidays. You. Happy 2020. And we love you so much. Bye.